Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Porn is a controversial subject, to say the least. And the messages we hear about it are often confusing and contradictory. Over the last decade or so, two parallel and conflicting narratives around porn have taken hold in the popular media. On the one hand, there's the porn is bad narrative, which views porn itself as inherently exploitative and as having negative effects on viewers and on society. At the same time, there's been a rise in the porn is fine as long as it's ethical narrative, which argues that porn is okay as long as it is produced in a fair and responsible way and viewers take it upon themselves to seek out and pay for ethically sourced porn. In today's show, I want to talk about this concept of ethical porn. So what is ethical porn anyway? Is all mainstream porn inherently unethical? What does it mean to be an ethical porn consumer? How do you convince people to pay for ethical porn when they're so used to getting free porn? I'm going to discuss all of this and more with a popular porn director. My guest today is Paulita Papel a Spanish filmmaker and feminist pornographer. After studying comparative literature in Berlin, she worked both in front of and behind the camera. She is the founder of Lustery, a platform dedicated to the sex lives of real-life couples from around the world. She is the co-director of Hard Work, a hardcore film studio creating cinematic and tailored gangbangs. She also co-organizes and curates the Porn Film Festival Berlin. Paulita works as a producer, director, performer, and intimacy coordinator, and she is an advocate for a sex-positive, consent-based culture. This is going to be a truly fascinating conversation. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. The Kinsey Institute's Art and Artifact Collection contains thousands of items from around the world spanning more than 2,000 years of human history. You can check out some of the items in the newly opened Kinsey Institute Gallery on the Indiana University Bloomington campus which is open to the public from 9.30 to 4, Monday through Friday. You can also find two Kinsey Institute art exhibitions at the Wilsig Erotic Art Museum, located in the heart of South Beach in Miami, Florida. Check the show notes for more information or visit kinseyinstitute.org. Hi, Paulita, and welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. Hi, Justin. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. So we met a couple of months ago in Berlin while I was there to teach a study abroad course on sex and culture. I organized a happy hour for an international group of sex educators, researchers, filmmakers, and other people who work in the sexuality space. I was so pleased that you could join us and talk about your work because I find it to be fascinating and just had to share it with my podcast audience. But before we really get into it, let me start with the question of what your professional journey was like. So how did you get into the world of porn and making adult films? What drew you to this profession? Long story short, I was always fascinated by porn. But as a teenager, I thought that porn or any kind of sex work were tools of the patriarchy to exploit women. And I thought there was something inherently wrong about them. So therefore, I thought there was something wrong with me by being you know, fascinated by it. Like many sexual deviants, I end up in Berlin because that's, as you know, because you've been here, the place where a lot of us come to explore our sexualities and, and find different 
ways of living our life. And here I met feminist, queer feminist filmmakers that were using porn as part of their feminist practice to express their sexuality, to create different imageries around bodies and, and sex and sexual practices. And then I realized, oh, fantastic. I can be a feminist and still do porn. <laughs> so that's how I started in this very DIY, no budget, uh, very political scene. Well, thank you for sharing that and also for explaining why Berlin is such a cool place to do a study abroad course on sex and culture, because it is a place that just has a very different set of sexual attitudes and values and where people are exploring their sexuality in all kinds of ways. I actually did an episode recently where we talked about Psy Brothel, which is a sex doll brothel in Berlin where sex workers provide the voices of the dolls. And so there's all kinds of fascinating things happening there. And I'm looking forward to my next visit to learn even more. So you co-founded the adult platform called Lustery, and it's been written about all over in the popular media, and it's frequently described as a home for both ethical and feminist porn. So let me ask you to define those concepts for us. What do the terms ethical porn and feminist porn mean to you? So to me personally, and I make an emphasis in the personally, because I think there are several different definitions of what ethical and feminist porn mean. For me, this is my statement to say that any kind of film production, including porn, should be based on consent and transparency. And what I mean by that is that I think everyone involved in a porn production, of course, for most the performers, but also everyone else, should know about what is going to happen, what are the expectations, how is the day going to look like, what is going to be the payment, um, where is the material at the end of the day going to go towards and be published? That is for me the basics of an ethical film production, again, and specifically for porn production. Now, feminist porn production for me means that I've spent long time, like loads and loads of years, thinking about power dynamics in society, specifically based on gender, but also on other you know, categories that intersect, obviously, within our identities. And I aim to provide for a representation of sexuality that encompasses as many perspectives and desires and sexualities as possible. So yeah, that is what it means to me. Obviously, I want to annotate directly that I don't think one porn film can encompass everything because I don't need to tell you how wide and, and varied human sexuality is, but I think the at the core, it's the aim to try and keep on producing more and more and inviting more voices and bodies and sexualities to present themselves in front of a camera. I appreciate you sharing that and also pointing out how these terms are subjective and different people might define them in different ways. So, you know, ethics itself inherently is subjective. So when you're applying an ethical lens to pornography, that's necessarily going to mean different things to different people. But as a filmmaker, what are some of the ways that these values show up in your own work? So what are some specific examples of things you do as a director to walk the walk, to bring ethical and feminist values into the films that you specifically produce? So I like to produce different kinds of films and formats. So last year, as we were talking about, is a platform that is specifically catered to couples, however they define the relationship. It doesn't need, mean you need to be married and have children and a mortgage and a dog, you know, but these are people that have an ongoing relationship with each other and an ongoing sexual dialogue with each other. 
And the way we go about it is there are no rules. They can, you know, there's nothing that they should be doing sexually or that they're not allowed to do, apart from obviously goes without saying any illegal stuff. And we invite them to take a camera in their hands and record their sexual life as they enjoy it most. So what we're trying to do here is to capture people's sex lives. And I like to call it documentary porn because I think that describes very well the kind of films that we're gathering in this big archive of the sex lives of the world. <laughs> you know, normally people would call it obviously amateur porn. We also use that term because it's what people understand out there. But I think for me, the feminist and ethical part of this is, I mean, of course, we are checking that everyone that is doing these videos are consensually deciding to shoot this video and consensually deciding to upload to last through the platform. Plus we try, we aim to have a diverse representation again of people. So we, you know, there are hetero, queer, gay, lesbian, trans couples and anything from Tantra to hardcore BDSM. So we're aiming, yeah, to have as, as much diversity as possible. And this of course is documentary porn, which is very different than having a shoot on a, on set, right? Yeah. So as you're describing it, it's documentary porn and it's kind of putting the control in the hands of the performers, you know, real couples or throuples or whoever it is that's submitting the videos. And that's one way to keep it ethical is to let the performers themselves make the decisions about exactly what they want to do and what they want to show to the world in that way. And giving them that knowledge beforehand of, you know, knowing exactly what platform this is going to go on, how it's going to be used, how it's going to be accessed and so forth. So again, I appreciate you sharing that and helping us to, you know, sort of better understand these concepts and how they might apply in the world of porn. Now, it's only been in the last few years that terms like ethical porn and feminist porn have gone mainstream. And as this has happened, I've noticed a few things. So a lot of sex negative people just outright reject these terms and consider them to be oxymorons because they see all porn and all forms of sex work really as being inherently exploitative. So they don't see a distinction between ethical porn and mainstream porn. It's just all bad in their view. But a lot of sex positive people have embraced the term ethical porn, and it's sort of fed into this perception that ethical porn is good porn and mainstream porn is bad porn, right? Because if it's not ethical, it must be inherently unethical. So the sex positive and sex negative crowds actually seem to be in agreement that most porn is bad and that it's inherently exploitative. And the only difference is that the sex positive crowd takes ethical porn and kind of puts it on this pedestal. So what do you make of this? Can we really think about the porn industry in these black and white, good versus bad terms? What are your thoughts on that? I have a very clear opinion on that, and that is no, we cannot. I understand why for some people or why this evolution of people talking about ethical porn, you know, women's magazines listing like the 10 best ethical porn sites for women and so on. I see a value in that because I believe that it has enable some people to at least start thinking, oh, there, there must be some porn that is good. So that's already, for me, a positive evolution. However, and this is something that I, from the very beginning, when I started doing porn, understood when we are talking about ethical porn in contraposition, like versus mainstream porn, we are just reproducing the stigma against porn in general, against sex work in general. And I think that 
is detrimental in the long run. The fact is that is not true, <laughs> to put it like very simple. Like the porn industry is a huge industry. Like any other industry, obviously there are bad players, there are bad people. But I think it is very important for us to define porn uh, with consent at its core. So porn should always, per definition, be something that is recorded consensually and distributed consensually. Anything else that is not that, it's not porn, it's a crime. You know, so people talk about child pornography or revenge porn. And I think those, that terminology is very problematic because of many reasons, but I think we are deflecting like the, the, what the problem really is, which is a crime, which is children abuse, which is sexual abuse. If it's digital based or, you know, image based, doesn't matter. We should be calling it by its name, which is abuse. And we should not be using the term pornography because it gets confusing and it gets uh, more difficult for us to actually persecute those crimes. So from parting from the base that I'm taking away anything that is actually a crime and I'm talking about porn, the idea that porn is inherently like not okay for women or women being exploited, this is rooted in very sexist conceptions about sexuality, to be honest. If you break it down, what we're saying here is like sex is something that women have and men want. And, you know, if a woman is performing in sex, in, in, a, in a sex film, and it's not doing it because of love or marriage or because of having children or any of any of these other conservative reasons, then she must be exploited because, you know, why would women have sex for the sake of having sex or money? And I think that's inherently like a wrong understanding of woman's sexuality and of sexuality in general. So... That is what I start talking to people when they come to me with this idea of like, oh, but porn is bad, right? I'm like, no, literally no. There are, like any other industry, there, there's better and worse sets. There's better and worse communication. There's better and worse payments. And we can talk about all of that. And we need to be talking about all of that to elevate the industry and to make the industry a better place, just like any other industry. Yeah. And I think the, just like any other industry part is really important here, right? Because if you think about the music industry or the Hollywood film industry, there's a lot of abuse and exploitation that happens there, but we don't paint those industries as inherently bad and say they need to be banned and so forth, right? But porn and sex work are treated differently because they're about sex, right? We need to have a more nuanced conversation about this. And when we try to say that porn is this, or at least mainstream porn is this monolithic thing and that it's all bad, it's all corrupt, it's all exploitative, you know, that's uh, a vast oversimplification and overgeneralization that really doesn't help change the conversation or make things better for those who are in the industry who might be being exploited. So it all goes back to what we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is that we need to have these much more nuanced conversations about all of these topics. Absolutely. So let's talk about being an ethical porn consumer. You helped co-create Lustery's new course on how to watch porn, which we previously reviewed on the Sex and Psychology blog, and I'll be sure to include a link to our review in the show notes. But tell us a little bit about the goals of that course and what it means to be an ethical porn consumer. Mm. So I want to go back to the how the idea came about, because a lot of people ask me this question, right? Like, how do I find good porn? Like, how do I know that the porn that I'm watching is ethical, right? Which is a legit question because there is so much misinformation out there in the media, as you of course know, and probably all of your listeners know by now. In the media, there is a lot of terms being thrown around like sex 
addiction and, and whatnot, and again, and abuse and so on. And there's a lot of misinformation about how to watch porn in a way that is healthy, that is wholesome, that is beneficial for your sexuality, and that is integrated basically within the rest of your life and values, right? And when I looked for resources, I found hardly anything other than, you know, of course there's podcasts and like sex educators and, and people online, but like something like a resource that was specifically targeting this issue, I couldn't find anything. I went on educational platforms like Udemy, for example, you might know it's a very big, there's loads, hundreds and hundreds of courses there. I searched on their search bar for porn and everything I could find was how to quit porn, how to quit masturbation, how to quit porn addiction, and so on and so forth. There was like a hundred of courses portraying porn as a problem and how to solve that problem, but literally not a single one uh, having a science-based approach and helping people to develop a healthy porn consumption practice. So we were like, okay, I guess um, we're going to have to do it ourselves. <laughs> and that was the idea. And what we aim to do is like, this is a course uh, targeting adults. So this is not for minors. We do not show any explicit material, but we do speak very explicitly about porn and sexual practices and other, uh, yeah, and all of these issues around it. And we basically go, it's eight lessons. And in these eight lessons, we try to address all of the porn myths. So all of the wrong ideas that we've been taught. And we counteract that with, again, science-based factual information. And we try to both give the information enough for people to know where to find porn that they might like how to, to understand like that there is a huge diversity and then specifically to help them create a more intentional, aware practice and relationship to porn. So, you know, we do talk about compulsive behavior and how, and you know, how that's, there's a gray zone there between like compulsive behavior and maybe like just a, you know, bad habit or whatever. And we do give like very practical tips on how to reflect on your porn consumption Again, create more awareness and gain more control above it. And then, of course, the other part that is like so very important for us in the industry is like how to find porn that you know it's ethical and how to consume it ethically. It's like basically rule number one, just pay for it. Because the moment that you're not paying for porn and you're consuming it in a platform that is not the dedicated platform where that porn was made for, you're A, pirating. So obviously it's a copyright issue, but I would say it's more than that because there's a difference if you're, if you're pirating a Warner Bros. films, right? And I'm not saying that anyone should do that, uh, but this is a huge corporation. But when you're pirating the content from like single content creators, I would argue that you're literally abusing their sexual autonomy because they did not, they created that sex content with the purpose of you buying it. And if you're just consuming it without paying the creator, well, you're stealing that, right? I think that is the easiest rule that we can give people. Just pay for your porn, inform yourself about the sources and go to the right sources and platforms. And then if you want to dig deeper, then nowadays it is so easy with social media to find who are the people behind the porn that I'm watching. So easy to find the creators, the performers, the directors, the people behind the platforms. And, you know, we argue that the more transparent a platform or a content creator is putting themselves out there, the safer you can be, so to speak, that you are supporting someone that is doing their job and, <laughs> and you're supporting them create more of that beautiful work that they're doing and putting out there in the world. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. 
you know, I was going to ask a, a follow-up. You kind of already addressed it, but, you know, you as a consumer, how do you know if the porn you're consuming was ethically produced? Because, I mean, anybody can slap a label on something and say this is ethical, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was. But I think you give some good advice there about how, you know, you as the consumer might need to do a little bit of research. And if you can see signs of transparency and kind of know who's involved in that production, that might be some sort of clue or indicator as to whether or not the company's being transparent about it. Of course, you know, you can never fully know. And there are always some bad actors who will, you know, exploit things in the industry and say things were ethical when they weren't actually ethical. But any other tips that you would share about kind of like as a consumer, how you can approach this in a more ethical way? I think exactly what you said, like do a little bit of research. Again, you don't need to be a hacker <laughs> to find out this information. You know what I mean? Like most most platforms have an about us part. I think specifically, for example, platforms that have the showcase kink very, very often have the interviews before and after. Ideally, they also have behind the scenes material where you can actually see how the set was run and who were, what people were involved. Was there, you know, what the negotiations uh, looked in advance of the shooting and so on and so forth. And then I think maybe a little tip would be like, if you're searching for your favorite performers online and the social media platforms that you're spending your time, you might not find them because most of them are shadow banned. <laughs> you know, like all of us in the realm of sex and sex education and sexuality. Yep. So my advice would be like, if you want to find the the real accounts of your favorite porn performers, Google their name plus the platform, like say, you know, name plus Twitter, name plus Instagram. And then from there, most of these performers will have their own links, you know, pointing you in the right direction where it works best for them for you to buy their content. So I think, you know, I mean, if you're buying directly from the performers, that's just like a very, very safe way of knowing where your money is going and you're supporting the people really doing the job. Yeah. And so in talking about being an ethical porn consumer, there are a couple of hurdles that you have to overcome here. One is that you're asking people to do a little bit of research, but people might be like, well, I'm horny. I need instant gratification. And so they just, they don't have time to do the research. They just want to go right for the erotic materials because they're horny now. So it requires like having some intentionality when you're going to engage with that material to do a little bit of that research. But also it requires a shift in the mindset around payment because people for so long have been used to getting porn for free. And then when people get used to getting things for free, they become very resistant to paying for them. So can you talk a little bit about sort of the the struggles of being in ethical porn producer and ethical porn company and how you kind of like try to overcome those hurdles to get people to understand why this is important? Mm, I think struggle is real. It's, it's the right words yeah. for it. it. I do encounter, I mean, we know, we do encounter so many people, as you say, that they've gotten so used to find their porn for free that they're just like, why, why should I, why should I pay? It is all out there. I believe that there is more and more information and people are being educating themselves and understanding why it's just really good on the long run to pay for it. Even if you're not necessarily interested in ethics and you're like, well, I don't care. I'm just horny. Just going to have a wank here, you know? Um, still, like certain platforms will, there's a lot, like you will have to browse for very long to find what you want. You will have pop-ups, you will have viruses filling up your computer. Uh, and I'm like, well, if, like, if you're looking for your own safety, you know, you might want to start paying for it. And it will get you a little bit of research to find the right platforms, but then you will have like a very big supply of the thing that you want, you know, in good quality, 
in a safe platform that is not going to harm like your hardware or anything else. That would be my argument number one. <laughs> then the second argument would be like, you know, we live in a society nowadays, like so many people care about what they consume in terms of like food, right? Like you want your food to be like biological or you research what's the best wine that goes with this meal or, you know, there are so many things or like the, the, the products, like what we wear. People do spend time researching certain things and making sure that these things that they consume and wear and eat align with their general life values. And I would argue that porn should be one more thing in that list. You know, why are we treating, once again, we're treating sex differently and sex is such an important part of our identities and our lives and our well-being and our health. Um, so I would argue like, instead of just looking for porn in the moment when you're horny and you're like, okay, I'm going to have a wank now, where is the porn? I would be like, why don't you take another moment when you're not horny yet and you're like, okay, I'm going to have a little research to see what I'm going to watch this weekend. I think if you have appreciation for yourself and for your sexuality, like you owe this to yourself, you know, not only, I mean, again, not only you owe this to the people that are doing it, because I think their work should be acknowledged, but make it for yourself. Yeah, I think you make a lot of really important points there. You know, one being about how shifting your mindset in this way can help to ensure that you're getting more of what you want out of porn and that, you know, you're not going to be endlessly searching for just the right clip or, or so forth, right? So it can align more, not just with your personal values, but also with your fantasies and desires. But I think you also make another point that you kind of hinted at that's really important, which is that, you know, being an ethical porn consumer can also enhance safety for you in some ways. Because if you think about like the free porn sites where people go, nothing in this world is really free, right? How do those porn sites make money, right? It's because they're installing trackers on your computer or there might be spyware or malware or, you know, advertisements and, you know, really annoying pop-up ads and so forth. There's a way that they're monetizing that and capitalizing All those horny moms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, nothing is really for free and you could potentially be putting yourself at risk in some ways by visiting some of these sites that, you know, have ulterior motives. They want to give you free porn, but they're getting something from you in return. Exactly. And I think if we're aware of that, you know, and I think we all are becoming more and more aware of this, like there is nothing for free. If you're not paying, you are the, you know, you're paying with yourself, with your identity, with your data, with your, and so on and so forth. And I hope that, you know, there's so many different factors that play a role here, like the stigma generally against porn, the taboo around sex and sexuality, and all of these plays a factor. I think as we ideally evolve in this topic in, as a society and people become more educated and get rid of their shame and their bad feelings around this, that we will slowly start both on one side appreciating porn creators for their job, and then again, having a more intentional, aware practice on our own masturbation and porn consumption. I'm really glad that you created the How to Watch Porn course that you did because most discussions today about pornography and how to watch it center around porn literacy for adolescents. And, you know, that's a whole controversial topic in and of itself, but the programs that are being created to open up dialogues around porn are being created primarily for teens. And there aren't really resources out there for adults other than, as you mentioned, the how to quit porn courses. So I think it is important to have that different perspective out there. But 
You know, I have one more question for you about this. We're running short on time, but it ties in with what you were just talking about, which is kind of how we shift the narrative here. And I think this is a really important one. I don't expect you to have all the answers to it because it's a big question, but we're living in this time where porn is increasingly demonized and blamed as being the source of like literally all of society's problems. And you have a growing number of U.S. states that have declared porn to be a public health crisis. Around the world, there are growing legal restrictions on people's ability to even access porn. And you've argued that it's important for us to destigmatize porn and that stigmatization of the porn industry hurts everyone. But how do we shift this narrative in the face of this growing war on porn? You know, what are some things we can do to try and have more productive conversations about this very tricky topic? It's a very big question, <laughs> but but I do I do have some answers or maybe some ideas that we've been all been working on. Which is I think the first thing for me that was important to understand is like a lot of well most of this narrative comes clearly from a religious background, and these are religious organizations that have specifically in the States, as far as I know, a lot of power and a lot of money to control the narrative, to, to plant a lot of seeds in, in media and, and, and all over the place to reinforce this prejudice against porn and, and sex work in general. And I think as everything with religion, they work on fear and they work on misinformation. I come from a very Catholic country. I grew up in Spain, so I know a little bit about this. Um, and I believe that the most powerful tool to counteract these narratives is information, you know, taking away the shame and the fear and equipping people to take their own informed decisions. And I think empowering people is the best way to go. Um, so that's why, you know, one of the reasons why we did this course is that we want to put this information out there and then, then people will take their own choices. Like if someone decides I never want to watch porn in my life, that's totally fine. That's their choice, but it should be their choice, not their like religious ingrained moral values that forbid them to even consider that a, an option. On the other hand, I think we do need to hold media accountable. This happens all over the world, but definitely in the US and in Germany and in Spain, like journalists will talk about the topic of porn and they'll drop any kind of journalist ethic that one could have. They will not fact check. They will give studies and because the topic is so clickbaity, right? So for them, they, you know, they write about porn because, you know, okay, this is going to get a lot of views and a lot of readers. And they literally don't check their sources. They, they, they reproduce studies that are maybe way more nuanced and they just give the headline that is like, you know, porn kills marriage or whatever, like very sensationalist. I think we need to do, you know, that job of like holding journalists and people in the media accountable to be like, hey, this is not Okay you are being part of the problem here. And this is literally just not good journalism, you know? Yeah, I could talk for days about the importance of media accountability and, you know, how our current media culture thrives on pushing articles out there and, you know, other sources of information that just take very extremist, very narrow views that are very clickbaity, very sensationalized. That's certainly a big problem here. But ultimately, it all comes down to giving people the information that they need to make informed decisions. And that's why I appreciate the work that you do. Thank you. That's why I appreciate the work that you do. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Paulita. It was truly a pleasure to have you here and to learn more about your work. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and what you do? 
Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast and everything you do. It's really an honor. And um, yeah, anyone can find me on my website, paulitapapel.com and on social on Instagram and Twitter, it's paulitapapel. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 